Welcome to Speak for Yourself, Marcellus Wiley, Emmanuel Acho. Let's get to our top story. Deshaun Watson, he's at Brown's minicamp, but still facing 24 lawsuits that have been filed against him. Now, Watson met with reporters today and was asked if he was open to settling the 24 cases that are currently pending. He said, quote, I've been honest and I've been truthful. I never assaulted <laughs> anyone, close quote. He added that he is focused on clearing his name. So we have mm. yet to really dive into this Deshaun Watson story. But what's your reaction yes. to today's press conference? Uh, my reaction is it's time to redefine what the truth is in this situation. I think there's a lot of misperception going on. And in part because people don't dig deep enough into this story, whether it's because of their lack of experience or because of their protection of what they've done, they don't want to really dive into the story. Let's dive into it. First things first, we have to talk about Deshaun Watson's level of entitlement, which got him into this position in the first place. Deshaun Watson at the time had a girlfriend and within a span of two years had over 60 different massage therapists. I don't know a professional athlete alive that wanted more than one legit massage therapist. Now, if that massage therapist doesn't cut it, then you go to number two, et cetera. Now, there's where we differ. This is where this story takes a life of its own. What Deshaun Watson felt in that moment, and this is what I think he's definitely guilty of, is that he's guilt- guilty of being a professional freak. And I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it for real, because I'm going to also protect the guilty. Deshaun Watson, there's no way in this world do you ever want that many different massage therapists unless you wanted something more than just a massage. Let's just start there. When you go out there and you try to find massage therapists, there's a highbrow way of doing it. There's a professional way of doing it. And there is also the way that we learned in the subculture of the NFL in terms of, oh, do you want a massage or do you want to get rubbed on and try to holler? That's where Deshaun Watson went. This is my conjecture, but this is also what I've seen through my experience. I dated a massage therapist before on the team, team issue. Hey, and you know how it went? This is exactly how it went, Acho. Team says, here's my massage therapist for training camp. Okay, everybody comes there, professional. Nice meet you, nice meeting you. And then all of a sudden, you can just tell by mannerism. You can tell by conversation. You could tell that not all of them were being as professional as advertised. And I dated one from there. And it came in conjunction with this. Her conversation was different. So she wasn't just trying to massage me. She was trying to rub on me to holler. And then I started to listen. I said, all right, got up, talked to my teammates. And it's like, oh, yeah, her? She cool. She cool. She cool. That takes you in a different conversation. What Deshaun Watson is trying to protect is two things. One, he doesn't want to admit that that's what he was intending to do. Two, he doesn't want to admit who enabled him or who helped him do what he intended to do. So while he's still tethered to that reality of like, yo, I was trying to do more than just get a massage without assaulting, without really suggesting, but hey, my intention is greater than just a massage. Until he admits that, until he shows us that chunk of flesh, everyone's going to misperceive this situation like they have been. Yeah, um, we're going places on this one. Deshaun Watson, to me, is guilty of perverting the massage experience, the massage therapy experience. He perverted it because all perversion is is to distort something from its original course, to distort something from its original intention. The intent of an athlete getting a professional massage is to continue to heal or remedy the kinetic chain. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson's primary objective for getting these massages does not appear 
to have been to remedy or heal the kinetic chain. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would you get 66 massages over the course of 17 months? That's what the New York Times submits. 66 massages, 17 months, roughly 3.8, nearly four massages from different therapists per month. Mm. So in all of my time as an athlete, four <laughs> years collegiate, four years pro, I would estimate me personally probably had maybe 15 to 20 massage therapists over the course of four different cities, two, three different professional teams and one collegiate team. Eight years. So to near a number of 66 means what was your actual intention, Deshaun Watson, hey. for getting a massage? If your actual intention was to heal your body from the physical rigors of professional football, then you would not have needed that many massage therapists, sir. Oh, man. Story time. Because if we're going to be honest, let's be honest. Let's open it up. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. You played professional football. I played professional football. <laughs> from what I know, there is no show that has two athletes on it and only two athletes on it. Yeah. You got shows with different hosts, but me and you, we played it, so let's go there. You got shows with no athletes on it. Facts. <laughs> let's go. I went to, I was traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Philadelphia Eagles. I left Cleveland. I had a massage therapist in Cleveland. I went to Philly. I had no massage therapist in Philly. I had to find a massage therapist. It's never a good position to be in as a professional <laughs> athlete when you got to find a massage therapist and you don't know nobody on your new team. Okay. So people are like, oh, why don't you just hit up on somebody on Philly? I didn't know anybody there at mm. the time. I just got there. So what did I do? I went to Massage Envy. What is was that? Where I went to. It's, a, it's a place where you can go get a massage. Okay. Massage Envy. It's a, it's, a, it's a local spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Massage Envy, got a massage. I didn't even feel comfortable going to Massage Envy as a professional athlete. Mm. Not because it was any funny business, yeah. because my body is too valuable for me to entrust it in the hands of somebody that hasn't actually come with a high recommendation. Mm. I went to Massage Envy one time. I believe it was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. After that, I was like, nope. I'm finna find somebody <laughs> on the Eagles to ask. Yeah. I ain't know nobody on the team, yeah, but I was yeah. like, I'm about to ask one of the assistant strength coaches. Yeah. Now, they're looking at me like, who are you? Why are you even fixing your lips to have a conversation with me? Mm -hmm. You haven't even earned the rights to have this kind of dialogue. Yeah. Just so y'all know, NFL organizations, <laughs> it ain't all kosher, it ain't all friendly, especially if you bottom of the totem pole. Say that again. But I was like, I would rather have this uncomfortable dialogue with this head athletic trainer or this assistant strength coach than sit here and try to find different massage therapists online. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. Backup linebacker <laughs> just trying to make it. As Deshaun Watson, $160 million quarterback at the, at time, the time, now $230 million yes. quarterback. E -E. As Deshaun Watson, I just find it very hard to believe that your primary focus was actually healing and remedying your body if you have 66 different therapists over 17 months. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm with you right there. Uh, it's impossible for me to believe. Look, I don't, I don't know what occurred between Deshaun Watson once he was on that table and a massage therapist was there. What was professional and what was getting personal? I don't know that. I'm not even suggesting I know that. What I am telling you, though, to get yourself into that position 66 different times, oh, your intention is not just for a massage. That I know for a fact. Some of them weren't even licensed. So you imagine I'm going to find a massage therapist. My first question is, have you ever given a massage? <laughs> I already told him myself, I'm not trying to get a massage from you. I'm trying to holler at you. And let's not even get into the conversation of what they look like in terms of, oh, is that something suggesting that Deshaun Watson wanted something else? 
I get you on that conversation of massage envy. I've been there before. I'll give you a different story. Working out. I remember I was working out, Chargers facility. Then one time I was at the crib. I was like, I'm not going down the facility. I'm just going to get an extra work. I'm going to go to 24 hours right down in the neighborhood. Went in that 24 hours and immediately I was hit with a cultural difference. I work out with professional athletes. Now I'm working out with the common man. And let's just say it's a different level of professionalism. Why do I bring that story up? Because I was like, I'm not going back to 24 hour fitness because I know what I need to do is different than what they're intending to do. We had a conflict of intentions, right? If I'm going massage therapist at the massage therapist, one, are they all that bad? And if they're all that bad, wouldn't you say, pause, I'm too valuable to keep running into bad massage therapists. Let me go get the right one. So now let's fast forward to me in Dallas. I had massage therapists that were friendly to me and I had massage therapists that were above board professional, really did the work. And then I got to I got to Dallas and I said, man, I need a real good massage therapist like you did. I'm out of place. I, I know guys on his team, but I need a good massage therapist. They introduced me to a guy by the name of Dr. Death. They was like, why y'all call him Dr. Death? They was like, oh, after this massage, you're going to feel like you die. He's going <laughs> to rub you that damn hard to the point of we know how to navigate. We know where to find what we're intending to find. If you want you the best massage in the world, you're around professional athletes and organizations with resources. They can find that for you. Or if you just want to go find somebody to rub on you so you can holler, you can find that as well. Deshaun Watson found himself in this position too many times for me to think otherwise. The other conversation that must be had on a day like today mm. We got to have an entitlement conversation and, and consent conversation. Oh, you going? An entitlement conversation and the in consent conversation need to be had. Mm. If we can tell on ourselves, athletes are fairly entitled. You think? Rich, famous, entitled. Not only that, studies show men have a looser definition of consent than women. Mm. So when you couple consent and men having a looser definition of consent with entitlement which athletes have that is a combination that will lead to criminal lawsuits if mm. you try to navigate life entitled as you have submitted and i do degree uh, agree that deshaun watson was navigating mm -hmm. if you step into a massage therapist's office and you assume that because of who you are some stuff might go down that <laughs> probably shouldn't go down, mm. then you will carry yourself in that manner. Mm. If you act in a manner of which is entitled and you are assuming that because of who you are, that, well, you know, they might be a little bit more interested than their practice suggests, mm. then all of a sudden you will navigate yourself in a way that will make people feel uncomfortable. And I think, I cannot say unequivocally because I was not there, right. but I think, that is a predicament that Deshaun Watson has found himself in. Mm -hmm. It's an entitlement conversation, and there's a consent conversation. If you read the reports, and I have read far too many of them, as we <laughs> all have. If you read the reports, there clearly was a difference in expectation upon Deshaun Watson's arrival. Yeah. Several of the reports suggested Deshaun Watson laid on the massage table and took his towel off mm -hmm. and just was sitting there bucket naked. That is a consent conversation yeah. and a comfort conversation. Mm. But let's also be honest. That's what we're here to do, Sal. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, you're here. Here we I, go. I personally, when I get massages, I got one this past weekend. When I get massages, 
I don't go bucket naked. No. That's just not my cup no. of tea. No. But some people do. Yeah, right here. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. even Dr. Death. <laughs> I don't do it. Yeah. I just be like, yo, y'all gonna have to navigate around these clothes. <laughs> but some people do. Mm-hmm. But there is always a rub for me that's weird. No pun intended. There is always a weird pun tension <laughs> when it's like, hey, uh, what's, because I'm like, hey, I'm keeping my clothes on. Mm. But some of the therapists, mm. it's a harder job to navigate mm. when you have your clothes on. Because mm. now they got to navigate around the clothes or even worse, on yeah. top of it. And now you have that tension between. It's just there are some nuanced conversations yeah. and dialogues that must be had. Um, when you are talking about massage therapy, go ahead. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Nuance or indirect. See, this is what happened with Deshaun Watson. He tried to run the old college, come over and give me a massage trick. We've all been there. You see the pretty girl on campus. She likes you. You like her back. All of a sudden, you got to play this little cat and mouse game of like, oh, you're Deshaun Watson. Oh, you're Emmanuel Watson. Oh, you're Marcellus Watson. I can't just directly holler at you. Every girl likes him. Oh, he holler at every girl. That's how it was for me at Columbia. I can imagine y'all at UT and Clemson. Good Lord. Good Lord. Anyway, so then it turns into this. Oh, why don't you come over? Let's study. Did you really want to study? You would have went to the library and met the girl if you wanted to study. Come over. Why don't you give me a massage? Did you really want a massage from her? Like, has she ever given a massage before? No, it's to lead to something else. So this is what happens in these situations. I don't even know if it's nuanced. I think it's just indirectness conflicting. You both are wearing costumes, potentially. Some of these girls, I bet, were really professional massage therapists. Like, damn, dog, what are you doing? I'm not trying to rub your groin from hello. Like, you're not that guy. I'm not that girl. But then there are some wearing a costume, a guy's. Just like Deshaun potentially was wearing a guy's. And in that cat and mouse game, no one's being direct. So therefore, everything's arbitrary. Therefore, things get lost in terms of consent and cooperation because we're not being direct. We're not saying the line is here. And I've been there before. I've been the guy who's sitting there like, oh, I wanted a massage, but she's trying to rub on me to holler. And I've also been the guy like, nah, not today. I'm just trying to get this for the kinetic chain. All of this indirectness is why we're in this position right now, where Deshaun, in his mind, thinks he's telling the truth. Problem is, it wasn't properly defined as the truth for both parties. Coming up, the Warriors got a huge win in Game 5 last night. So did they look or did they lock up the finals? We'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. Man. Well, then let's get into it. NBA Finals. Steph Curry had a rare off night. Only scored 16 points. 0 for 9 from the three-point line. But his teammates stepped up. Andrew Wiggins had a team-high 26 points. And Klay Thompson added 21 of his own. Golden State now 1-1 away from winning the NBA title. With Game 6 on Thursday in Boston. Mm. So, Sal, did the Warriors lock up the Finals? Ugh. The Warriors have locked up the finals. They ain't throw away the key yet. There's a way for the Celtics to go find that key and get themselves unlocked from this situation. But oh, all of my confidence is now with the Golden State Warriors. This series has made everyone flip-flop. Let's just be real about this. How highly contested every game is. And then you look up, they're all double-digit victories. <laughs> but it goes both ways. Now the favorites are the Golden State Warriors as they initially were. Here's what's at stake right now. If you're Golden State, you know one more game is a wrap. But now we have to go on a road where we're a losing team on the road. But we just won in Boston. So, hey, can we go find that lightning in the bottle one more time? 
Same thing if you're the Boston Celtics. We just beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the champions, when we were down 2-3 in the series. Can we do that again? Here's the problem. Milwaukee wasn't fully loaded. They were the champions of the year prior, but they weren't fully loaded in that moment with Chris Middleton out. These Golden State Warriors are fully loaded right now, and you're going to catch Steph on a bounce-back game. That's a problem. I'm looking at the Warriors to lock up the finals, but I think it's going to go seven. I think this has to end on the West Coast. This is going to have to end at the Chase Center because Boston is going to have a rebound game. Jason Tatum in that game six when he knew he was going against the Bucs, 46 points. Jason Tatum needs a bounce-back game or just a – series-saving game, but then Steph Curry and them boys going to finish them out. I think it's a wrap, Sal. It's yeah. locked up. It's over, and I think it might even be six, big mm, dog. Mm. Um, the Warriors got the dub with Steph Curry breaking a streak of 233 consecutive games made with a three-pointer. Steph Curry played, I don't know, one of his worst games of the playoffs, and the Warriors still took a convincing W. Yeah. If the Warriors can win convincingly when Steph Curry is off, Woo. imagine how they can win, and we saw it in Game 4, when Steph Curry is on. And it's not like Clay dropped 40. It's not like Draymond dropped 20. It's not like Wiggins dropped 40. Clay dropped 20. Wiggins dropped 20. And they still won convincingly. It says to me more about Boston mm. than it even says about Golden State. I always said that the Celtics were more athletic, the Celtics were stronger, the Celtics clearly are younger, but the problem is the Celtics cannot outdo their lack of maturity and their lack of preparation for the situation. I think that the Celtics are a very talented team, but what we are continuing to learn as the Warriors lock things up is that championship pedigree and that championship experience. It matters. Yeah, I mean, it's really coming down to the turnover battle. We already see it. Rebounding, a little subordinate supporting that, but it's really the turnovers. The turnovers are the Achilles heel of these Boston Celtics. Why are they turning the ball over at this rate in the finals? I can tell you why. It's because of the same thing you just mentioned. They know that they don't have the experience. So something is implying and suggesting to them they need to do a little bit more to close that gap. So when you know you're more talented than someone, but then they're sitting there not breaking the sweat, being more efficient, working smarter, not harder, you always think you got to just turn your harder notch one more decibel to catch up to them. And that's how you get out of sorts. That's how you get out of your skin. That's how you get out of your comfort zone. That's what turnovers really are. All of a sudden, you get stressed from an external factor or a better opponent, a team that's just sitting there looking at you unfazed. And then you say, oh, I'm going to ratchet it up. Then you forget the fundamentals of the game, and that's how you commit these turnovers. That's what's really happening right now to me in terms of mental play. And the Warriors are beating this team because now psychologically they have figured out Boston. They know in terms of intensity and defense, hey, we could be a wash. Warriors are playing great defense. They're going against the number one defense. We understand that. The Warriors are not shooting the ball like they have this entire postseason. Their point differential in terms of what they scored before this and now, minus 10. They're not doing the same things. But what they are doing is relying on the fact that they've had that experience. They've been in this situation before and keeping their composure. You hit the nail on the head when you said the Warriors are working smarter, not harder. There is a pivotal play, a pivotal moment, a pivotal player in the game yesterday mm. which showed me why this series is locked up. Oh. And now I got to show oh, y'all. Let's, let's go. go to the big let's board. Go. Oh, and my suit feeling good. And you crispy athletic. up there, boy. I'm feeling that. Let it. <laughs> Looking good. So we always say 
Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work smart. And last night, Marcus Smart was not working, albeit as talented as he is. He checks into the game, 10-24, scores 79-74. to He checks in for Derek White, Marcus Smart. He's one of the Boston's big three. He's an eight-year NBA vet. It's time to show up, big dog. But he checks in, five-point deficit, and he instantly goes down the court, and he misses a layup. Now, we can have some grace for missing a layup. It's the NBA Finals. Emotions are high. Contested shot. It's all good. But then after missing a layup, here's what happens next. My dog ends up getting a technical foul. So he missed the layup. Clay Thompson goes down, hits a three. Five-point swing. Bucket. I need that. But then technical foul. Technical foul leads to an additional point by Jordan Poole. Another bucket right then and there. So now Marcus Smart's checked in the game, and I need you to make a difference. But now you miss your layup. Clay Thompson gets a three. Then you get a tech. Marcus Smart, you're supposed to be an eight-year vet. I checked you into the game for a specific reason. Now after the tech, I don't know if we can keep the things rolling. Jordan Poole, like we just said, bucket. But then after Jordan Poole's bucket, Marcus Smart, offensive foul. Warriors ball. Warriors get the ball back again. Flop. <laughs> flop or no flop. <laughs> I need Horford, who has to come down and comfort an eight-year vet. Make it make sense. Then Warriors, another bucket. Eight-point swing because mm-hmm. of an eight year vet. The reason the Warriors locked up the finals isn't necessarily because the Warriors are a significantly more talented team. It's because the Celtics don't have that championship experience. They don't have that championship pedigree. We know that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But hard work also beats talent when talent doesn't work smart. And Marcus Smart wasn't making it work. That's why to me, it's locked up, big dog. Man, it's so tough to recover from that. I'm glad you highlighted all of that because I was feeling the same way sitting at home. Looking at the complexion of this series just shift in terms of mental makeup. I was like, what's going on with Boston? Why are they now unraveling in this moment? And then you understand when you've been in big pressure moments, you've been in big leverage moments, there's a moment of truth where just like any single play or any big series, it comes to a moment of truth. Are you going to stick to your guns or are you going to go reaching for something else in hopes to have a greater ammunition? And you can see the Boston Celtics, they're looking around. And Steph Curry is struggling. So now you're starting to say, okay, who's going to take the lead? Who's going to take the charge? Is it going to be you, Tatum? Oh, no, no, not yet. Okay, Jalen Brown is going to be you? No, no, not yet. Marcus Smart is going to be you? No. So then mm-hmm. you start to go into different columns. Okay, we're not going to make the baskets. So what do you start to do? Get a little more chippery. You get a little more physical. You get a little more antsy. You try different things. Instead of the Golden State Warriors just saying, we missed that shot. Let's try and make the next one. They don't get out of sorts. You don't see them all of a sudden running around with their heads cut off. And I watched Boston, especially in that fourth quarter, because they almost felt like they did something. They almost felt like they won that game just because they came back in the third quarter. Finally, the Warriors didn't outshoot us and outplay us in the third quarter. Yeah, there's one more quarter. (laughs) And it's just crazy, man. You can't skip steps and you can't buy experience. And unfortunately, that seems like why the Celtics are unraveling. Coming up, we've got a lot more on the finals. What does Steph Curry's bad shoot night actually mean? That's next on Speak for Yourself. Very highlight. Curry was coming off a 43-point performance in Game 4, but he had a bad shoot night in Game 5. Finished with 16 points and even went 0 for 9 on three-pointers. Ended his streak of 233 consecutive games with a three in the regular season and playoffs combined. So I told what do the struggles mean for Steph Curry? 
It means I'm annoyed, first off. Oh, here we go. Uh, but it really means that Put your dokes out. The MVP is going to unnecessarily oh. turn into a conversation. Yes, there you go. Remember 2015, Iguodala won the MVP because Steph Curry had grave struggles. I believe it was game three. Mm. Warriors go down 2-1, and LeBron is out there basically playing by himself. No K-Love, Kyrie gets hurt. Mm. In the midst of those struggles, ah, forward arose <laughs> by the name of Andre Iguodala. Ah, yeah, yeah. And what did he do? He held the, uh, the Cavs' best scorer, mm. held him, LeBron James, mm. and Iggy also contributed some buckets of his own. What we just see last night, say what you Andrew say. Wiggins. Oh, there we go. Contributing buckets of his own, mm. and his in this series mm. limited the Celtics' mm. best scorer. Mm. First team All-NBA Jason Tatum mm. all of a sudden is shooting 8% less from the field than he was prior to this series, mm -hmm. from what, 45% to 37%. You can see the narrative start to build. Marcellus Wiley always says, what, that nature whispers before it roars? It whispers before it yells, yes. Well, what really does, Twitter whispers <laughs> before the world yells. And the Twitter whispers are starting to say, what they say? man, Andrew Wiggins, maybe, hmm? maybe he should be in a conversation hmm? for finals MVP. Wiggins is all, all of a sudden averaging, what, 18 points and nine boards. Mm -hmm. Wiggins did just have 26 and 15 mm. after having himself another double-digit double-double in game four. Mm. You're going to start to look up and say, in the Warriors' winning efforts, Wiggins out here balling. Mm. What Steph Curry's struggles have done is open up a conversation for finals MVP. It might not be a long conversation. Okay. But it'll be a conversation nonetheless. Yeah, man. I'm sorry to say, man. These struggles just highlight some of the criticisms that were already headed Steph Curry's way before this series. Now, that's been highlighted once again. There's something. Whatever you want to come out in terms of verdict about Steph Curry in the biggest moments, not exactly consistently being Steph Curry. Some would say he defers. Why do I, as you had a great take yesterday saying Steph Curry was always capable of being that guy, the alpha, the driving force, but he would defer. And I bought into it. Then you realize in moments like this when the series is in balance, 2-2, you're coming off a 43-point game injured. Oh, my God, you're really about to light it up. And this is an edge-defining game. Whoever goes up, 3-2 wins 81% of these series. Come on, Steph. You're the reason. And then once again, he relies on strength and numbers. Come on, dog. That's supposed to be a T-shirt. That ain't supposed to be your mindset. And Steph Curry, once again, and this is why Wiggins is getting some of the love in this conversation. His first championship for Steph Curry, he needed Iggy to play defense for him. Then KD said, I got offense and defense for you, Steph. You just be Steph. And now it's supposed to be all Steph. But we need Wiggins to play defense and, being real, he kind of raising his hand higher and higher to play some of this offense as the second best scorer on his team. Here we go again, this shared experience for Steph Curry. So I look at Steph Curry, you're a gambling man, your favorite game is spades. Spades? Oh, blackjack. Okay, blackjack. Even better. You know what Steph Curry is? Sometimes in these moments, and I hate to say this, but it's real, he's an ace. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do What's that. What's an ace? It, it, One or 11. Mm. Sometimes it's like, damn, Steph. And sometimes like, damn, Steph. Steph Curry last night missed 15 field goals. Most by any player in this series. Steph Curry did that last night. Steph Curry not supposed to lead in those categories. Steph Curry, in terms of his shooting percentage, 
has his lowest shooting percentage in the finals every single finals appearance. So every round you see Steph Curry, always look at him in the finals. It's less than every other round. What is going on with Steph Curry when they need him most consistently? I don't know, Acho, but you got to give me a different take than him deferring. <laughs> I love you, Sal. I truly do. Um, <laughs> Steph Curry is an ace, but let's not look at it improperly. He's an ace because an ace is the most valuable card you can ever have in blackjack because an ace rarely ever hurts you. Mm. Here's a big misconception about Steph Curry. When Steph dropped 43 points, he didn't drop 43 points because he can do it every night because he needs to do it every night. No, by dropping 43 points, what it showed you is that he might. And the uh. abs, the, the, the thought that he might mm. give you 43 points mm. is just as potent as his ability to give you 43 points. When I played in Philly with Chip Kelly, and I love Chip Kelly as a football coach because he was so innovative, yeah. Chip Kelly would do one thing every preseason, and it, it, it drove all coaches crazy, and they didn't even realize it was driving them crazy. Mm. Exclusively during preseason games, Chip Kelly once would run a fake field goal an extravagant fake field goal, yeah, yeah. typically like the swinging gate yeah. when you have all your offensive linemen lined up in the wide receiver position and then you might throw a now screen, essentially throwing the ball to a receiver immediately on the snap. Mm. It, would, it would drive coaches, opposing coaches crazy. Why? Because when Chip Kelly would do this once in the preseason, every opposing coach mm, had to mm. prepare for that play <sighs> for the rest of the season. Yep. Chip never had the intention of running it during the season. Like, uh -huh. But simply by running it in the preseason and letting him know, letting you know he was capable of doing it, you had to prepare for it. And uh, if you're preparing for that, you yeah. ain't preparing for something else. So I don't know if you were listening, but email Doka after game four when Steph Curry dropped 43. Listen to what head coach for the Boston Celtics said after game four. We haven't gone after him much. Honestly, like, like, Durant or some of those other teams and some is due to the personnel he has behind him and the playmakers that he has. So after game four, email Doko's like, yo, we hadn't gone after him much. He just gave us a 43 piece. Now what? Well, guess what you do in game five? Go you after go after him. Right. And guess who balls? Everybody else. Yeah. So Steph Curry, for me, I'm not condemning him for his game five performance because his game five performance was a luxury of his game four performance and as a result the Warriors won game five with even more cushion if you really watch the game not necessarily by scoreboard but with even more cushion than they did game four yeah 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 yeah. deep deep we're going deep let's go into it let's splash big water it's time we're in the deep part of the building he should win the finals MVP. He will win the finals MVP. It shouldn't be a conversation that somebody else is going to win it, and it is a conversation now. Small conversation for Andrew Wiggins, but it should still go to Steph Curry. But Steph Curry, to me, in this moment, once again, they're saying, Steph, come on, let's go. Lead us. And he's like, no, nah, let's all go. Why are you always in this position where you're trying to allow everyone else to take this moment with you when we know that this moment needs to be led by you? Steph Curry, you say, all right, coaches didn't even go after him. But every other great of Steph Curry's level, they go after. And they all sustain their excellence. But Steph Curry gets this convenient pass where when he doesn't sustain his excellence, oh, it's because he's bringing everyone else along for the ride or he's deferring. But if you look at every other great top 15 like a Steph Curry is, when were they ever given that pass? When did they ever get the opportunity to elect to say, 
I'm going to defer in these moments consistently. Steph Curry gets that. So when I hear Coach say I'm going to go after him, welcome to, the, welcome to the ball club. Welcome to the level you own. Welcome to top 15 status if you're Steph Curry. He's put himself in this position again where if Wiggins, imagine this, this goes seven. This doesn't go six. Wiggins balls again, Steph doesn't. Two, three in a row for Wiggins. Then we get to a game seven. Now all of a sudden you got this match of Steph Curry, how great are you or how great the Warriors are when I know he needs that cherry on top this time. He needs that finals MVP, which he should win. Coming up, who are the best non-quarterbacks in the league? We're giving our top five list next on Speak for Yourself. Oh, this is going to be fun. Good Lord. NFL quarterbacks get most out of the spotlight, but CBS Sports recently listed the non-quarterbacks each team can't afford to lose. I like this. Aaron Donald, Travis Kelsey, and Micah Parsons, just a few big names that were dropped. It's got us thinking about the most valuable non-quarterbacks in the league. So, Acho, get us started with your top five. Oh, they coming in hot. Boy, you a non-quarterback, and you got a quarterback. You ain't picking that one off. No, no. Oh, top five non-quarterbacks most valuable. I love this because we're going to have a lot of discrepancy. Mm. At number five, I'm with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase? I got Jamar Chase because his team made it to the Super Bowl, Mm. and he was the most valuable person outside of the quarterback on his team. Remember, Jamar Chase had a 266-yard game. Jamar Chase, 1,400 yards as a receiver, setting rookie receiver records. Jamar Chase was a all-around beast, but it's not just that he individually was a beast. It was a collective success his team had because of how much he dominated. Mm -hmm. And four, Mm -hmm. let's go to the trenches. Where we going? Trent Williams. Oh! Hey, I ain't getting no sack on that. We know Jimmy G struggled, but we know that Debo Samuel balled. Why did Debo Samuel ball, and why was Jimmy G even alive to see it? Because of this beast, this monster, this animal. Had a first-team all-pro season. Now, dude's been a pro bowler, and dude has been a a high-caliber player the entirety of his career. But last year, first year, first-team all-pro. Dude, staying in the trenches, but moving to the defensive side of the ball, Aaron Donald at three. Aaron Donald at three. Aaron Donald at three because truth be told, well, first off, let me start with why he's at three. 98 sacks for his career, won the Super Bowl, two sacks in the Super Bowl, all around dude, appears to be the heartbeat of his team. Give me that. Ring me, ring me, (laughs) ring me, he said. Here's why at three, though, Sell. Why? Truth be told, Von Miller had two sacks in that game, too. Take Aaron Donald from that game, and I'm still convinced that the Rams would have won the Super Bowl. So Aaron Donald, I got to give him his respect, but he got a whole bunch of beasts around him. You could argue Jalen Ramsey's in that conversation. Mm. You could argue Bobby Wagner should be in this conversation. Aaron Donald, I'm going to put him in a conversation. Mm. And two, Trevon Diggs. I put Diggs in this conversation because 11 picks... Most since 1981. Here's really why I put him in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ain't it. Cowboys defense isn't good. But he is. Okay. And Parsons is. Cowboys defense was Mm. 19th in the Mm -hmm. league. Not ninth. Mm. 19th in Mm. the league in yards given up. Mm. So they bet, but they did not break. Why didn't they break? Because Diggs was breaking on routes. Mm. So the reason he's at number two above Donald, above Williams, above Chase is because he actually covered a multitude of sins, even more so than the rest of them. What is the Cowboys defense without Diggs? Uh Bottom 20 deep, bottom 20 defense, big dog. With Diggs, they were one of the top defense in the league. Okay. And number one, Jonathan Taylor. 
all around dude. Ah, he's a monster. monster. He's a monster. 1,800 yards, yeah. eight consecutive games with mm. 100 rushing yards mm. and a rushing touchdown. Mm. NFL record. He tied that. Mm. And more than anything, they were 9-1 and one when he rushed for over 100 yards. Yeah. Monster, beast, animal. 22 years of age last season, now at 23. Uh. It's a solid list. I might have some air. <laughs> Anticipating destruction. You already know I'm coming at that list. Boy, mm, send me some of them ribs. But let me get to my list first. Number five, I dare you to disrespect Mark Andrews. People don't put enough respect on his name. Which tight end had the most receiving yards last year? Which tight end had the most catches last year? Who doesn't Lamar Jackson, when his eyes are closed, throw the ball to it, even if Hollywood Brown was open? Mark Andrews is getting that rock, and Mark Andrews deserves it. That dude is a beast. He is. Unheralded. Love it. But I got to give respect to someone who has an even greater resume at the same position. Number four, Travis Kelsey. Especially, the reason why he's up above Mark Andrews is because no cheetah now. So when you lose cheetah, the value of Kelsey certainly rises on this team. We know that Travis Kelsey is a monster. Always going to be in position to make plays. First tight end in NFL history with a thousand plus yards in six straight seasons. So I got him a little ahead of Mark Andrews, but not by much. Number three. Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. Yeah, look at me and add to me and keep going. In terms of potential, in terms of performance, Miles Garrett is a monster out there in terms of what he does up front. And it always starts up front. I'm glad you gave love to the offensive side on the line in the trenches. But defensively, turning the corner, he has no weakness. He's gigantic. He can still bend. He has acceleration, quickness, speed, everything. Miles Garrett is a monster. But he's only at three because, number two, somebody has more sacks in the last two years than even Miles Garrett. T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt has led the NFL the last two years in sacks. T.J. Watt, talking about that defense, they got guys over there. But T.J., look at that, Ben, goodness. T.J. Watt, my brother from another, is the best at doing this right now, bringing those quarterbacks down the last two years. But number one, I don't know why he's number three over there, but you know who number one is. It's Aaron Donald. Why wouldn't it be Aaron Donald? How can you be the best player in the game and then you're not number one in terms of value as a non-quarterback. It has to be Aaron Donald. Your turn to try to defend your list before I come attack. I got you. Um, here's why it's not Aaron Donald for me. Aaron Donald has so much talent around him. Hmm. Think about what Aaron hmm. Donald has on his team. He has Cooper Cup. Yeah. Beast. Yeah. He has Jalen Ramsey. Beast. Beast. And last year he had Von Miller. Beast. Aaron yeah. Donald is yeah. sitting on a team with, what, three, four Hall of Famers last yeah. year, especially yeah. now Matthew Stafford, Ramsey. Mm. You got dudes mm. around him. Mm. When I look at likes of Trayvon Diggs, Nah, who, who does he have around him on the defensive side of the ball outside yeah. of him? He had a young Michael Parsons. Okay. I think of Jonathan Taylor. He had Carson mm. Wentz. I love Carson Wentz personally, but it's not mm. like Carson Wentz was totally balling. They had no number one wide receiver. Mm. My list is really predicated upon the absence of talent around him, but your list looks to be predicated more upon talent around him. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Ooh. Stafford. I mean, you, your list Ooh. can't have MVPs. So got you hit me with this now, the windshield. Okay, first of all, Aaron Donald, this guy's won Defensive Player of the Year three different times, even with the absence of all of those great players around him. He still was the guy. He's leading the league since he's been in the league in sacks. That was before Cooper Cup. That's before certainly Jalen Ramsey and even Von Miller. He's been the guy that led them on the road to that Super Bowl championship. Let's beat up your list. Let's start right here. Did they make the playoffs? 
great value. Carson Wentz, you said, had a good year, and he had an amazing year. Where's your value if you can't even get him open hump? Then you can't even get him into the playoffs. Okay. Diggs is amazing. But uh, Michael Parsons was there as well, and the catalyst for all of that coming together wasn't Diggs. Wasn't. Diggs been there before. Where was Diggs at before? He wasn't doing that until Michael Parsons came, and we all know it always starts up front. Correlation, not causation. Continue. Oh, I like those words. And the realization that Jamar Chase, I don't even know if he was a top five receiver for you. Maybe number five. So he's a number five receiver, but he's also number five, same position, adding all other positions in terms of value. How do you stay at number five if you're only the fifth best receiver? Here's what you have to do. Come on, man. Look at my list and ask yourself, what is their team without them? Okay, I like The Colts that. without them, they might be a three-win team last year. Mm. The Cowboys without Diggs, they might have been a seven-win team last year. The Rams yeah. without Donald are still making the playoffs last year. I that. The, the Niners without Trent Williams, hey, it's ugly. Somebody getting hurt. And the Bengals <laughs> without Jamar Chase, I'd say maybe they're an eight-nine-win team because yeah. they still have T. Higgins and they still had his own tight end. Your list... Huh. We already know they solid. Even without T.J. Watt, the, the, the Steelers were still uh, struggling. Still they still sucked with Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Without Travis Kelsey, they still go. Like, your list is made up of a bunch of most valuable players in the league, okay. but not valuable to their team, not as much as mine. How can you be valuable to all but not valuable to one? <laughs> you're valuable to one team, you're valuable to all. Here's my last point on this. Do you imagine their passing game, which already struggles? I didn't talk about Mark Andrews. Right. Okay, I didn't say about him. Oh, okay, girl. Here we go. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, you imagine them. No cheetah now. And then no Kelsey? Go get Yeah, now you shouldn't have talked about Kelsey. Miles Garrett, I, uh, excuse me. Nate, I like him, but you you like him. That's, I like that's him. all you have. What has he done for the Browns as far as they don't they still don't win? They still don't win because they didn't have a quarterback. The most important position. Don't go there on him. TJ, we already know that's a beast. He a beast? Beast. Value? I mean, up front, look, I understand. Mika Fitzpatrick, all those guys What's are more important, a sack or an interception? Interception. Interception. I give you that. I give you that. You That's it. Did. All right. I'm going to get up it. out of there. You got a good point right That's there. That's it. I hope you, I hope you finish it. it with an exclamation. I'm mad at him. Coming up, <laughs> the Warriors took game five. But what did we really learn after their big win? We'll answer that next. Don't speak for yourself. Oh, you had that one loaded. You know, <laughs> Steph Curry had an off-shooting night, finishing 0 for 9 on three-pointers. But Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson combined for nearly 50 points to help Golden State take game five. So, Acho. What did we learn from the Warriors' Game 5 win? The veteran presence matters more than I think any of us suspected. After Game 1, we were all kind of nervous, and literally all. Whether you were a Warriors fan, you were nervous, or a Celtics fan, you were nervous. And you were nervous for this reason. Is the, is the, is the youth and the energy and the size actually going to beat the wisdom? Mm. I think we were all about to collectively learn a lesson as a basketball fan base because we know how talented Steph is and Clay is and Dre is and how veteran Steve Curry is. But we were all learning like, yo, it don't matter how talent, how veteran they are, that youth for Boston and that speed and size for Boston is something. Mm. But then as the series progressed, I think we've all been enlightened. And we've all come to the realization that it don't matter how fast you are, how tall you are, how strong you are, how smart are you? And the Warriors are a smarter team than the Boston Celtics. Clearly, they have the the, the size and speed necessary. But I think what I've learned about Game 5 is that veteran presence means the most. Yeah, uh, I learned a few things. One, uh, it is full bloom for Andrew Wiggins, man. Talking about blossoming right before our eyes. Last two games, averaging, what, 22 and 15? Goodness, what is going on? Glad he's getting his flowers. Also, 
Jason Tatum, mm, going through your growing pains, aren't you? Only five points in the fourth quarter on one for five shooting. No assists, no rebounds. Uh, he's staggering in that superstar role. Last but not least, Steph Curry. Oh, you ain't deferring, big dog. Steph Curry's strength in numbers means I need the mob with me to do the job with me. That's oh, all it is, yes. Oh, you ain't got time to retort. <laughs> That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. I defer. <laughs>